So welcome to the latest um, edition of the Dundee Football Podcast. This is a, a shortened version this week. Um, I was lucky enough to go on um, to BBC Radio 5 Live a few days ago, chat with Mark Chapman, Robbie Savage and Chris Sutton about the transfer window and what COVID-19 means uh, and some of the consequences too. Hope you enjoy it. Clubs, As I said at the start, FIFA have uh, approved plans to extend senior players' contracts beyond their 30th uh, June end date and the summer transfer window will also be moved. Get the thoughts of Robbie and Chris in a minute if they were in this situation. Uh, Daniel G, football law expert, uh, joins us. Evening, Daniel. Evening, Travis. Uh, uh, legally, is this, it, how enforceable is this? Well, the, the short answer is that they are um, proposed guidelines and principles. So the caveat always is it's subject to national employment law. So although the aim and the objective is basically to ensure that um, any contracts that might expire by 30th of June roll over in practice, unfortunately, under English law, you're not going to be able to force a player to extend his contract if, if he doesn't want to. I, I was told, um, and I, I don't know whether you know this or, or, or not, but hopefully you do, but I was told also that if a player doesn't have a new club, that actually they get an, they actually get a month's extra payment anywhere, anyhow to take them until the end of July. So if all clubs agreed not to make a move on any player until the June, until, uh, you know, after July the 30th, that, that month would actually take care of itself. Is that right? Yeah, that might well be the case as well. I think there's, there's, there's lots of tricky elements here. I mean, there was a report a few days ago that um, up to 500 players were potentially out of contract um, across the European top five leagues. Almost a quarter of all La Liga players possibly being in that position, a lot less in, in the Premier League. But what it effectively means is for lots of different reasons that unless the player and the club can come to some type of agreement together. Um, the club is not going to be able to enforce um, a, a unilateral contract. And at the same time, it might be that the player doesn't want to. So, um, you know, there needs to be some pretty difficult decisions and discussions that are going to take place pretty soon. If you were in this situation, Robbie, if you were out of contract on June the 30th, would it, would it depend on your relationship with the club, whether you extended? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it depends, you know, what position the club are in as well. Um, it's such a very difficult situation, your own personal circumstances, you know, where, where the club are in the league, you know, if they're fighting a relegation battle, if they're in mid-table obscurity, if they're fighting for Europe, if they're fighting for titles. Um, it's it's a very difficult one, you know, chappers um, to decide what I would do. Um, I think it, you know, if you, if you if your contract's running out and you've got a club who are willing to sign you, you the, the the deal's been done in the background, um, you know, and that club is a better club than what you're going to. You know, what if you what if you play yeah. for the, your current club to the end of the season, you get injured, then that move falls through. So it's a very very difficult one, chappers. Difficult. Uh, is it not the situation where in this position and and uh, let's just forget the high end players, the players in the Premier League at this at this moment mm. in time. We're talking about lower league players who are out of contract and maybe have agreed a contract at another club for a couple of years. Why would mm. they put themselves 
at risk mm. of, of, you know, getting injured. It may only be a small risk, but say that, you know, somebody said, yeah, I'm going to do that, albeit I've agreed a, a three-year deal, you know, at another club, same level, but that's going to secure uh, my future, my family's future for the next three years. Why would they put themselves at risk of, of, of Chris, snapping yeah. the cruise ship? Chris, would that, would that then depend on the circumstance of that football club? So if we were in a dressing room together and we were fighting a relegation battle, yeah, I'm, a, I'm we afraid. I'm, I'm afraid. I do. I th- I think in that situation, it, it, you know, most pe- most players out of contract put their families before football clubs. So you. So if you're in a dressing room, and I know it's hypothetical, mate, but we were just say it was Norwich City now, and um, you're one of our key players, and you've agreed to go somewhere else, and we're in the dressing room together, and we're saying, right, Chris, come on, just for two more months, let's I'm, get this I'm, season yeah, seen through. I'm, you'd, I'm not... you'd say now, nah, now. Nah. It's a it's a it's a difficult one because we're not you know I'm talking about players at the lower end of the scale players who may not be yeah, on, yeah. on 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 big money in that situation I'd put my family first at, at the higher end of the scale uh, it's 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 you know it's a a bit of a, a different situation because I might may be financially you know far more secure but I, you know I think yeah. there's a massive problem at the at the lower end but you know the yeah. likes of did William not did he not say he was going to you yeah, know he'd be he happy said he to was good, yeah to yeah. stay on but you know he's on a fortune that may not affect him but there's a lot of thinking for for, for players to do because you know mm. and i know these are hard times but you know the likelihood is or there are players who are taking wage cuts and and, and money uh, deferred so you know they'll be getting to the end of the season these players and thinking why should i but you know why, why, why should why should i risk that for, I, I, for my family's sake. You, you see this in normal circumstances. I, I've seen it in the NFL in normal circumstances. Players go into a contractual dispute or and haven't agreed new terms, and some of them just stay away because they don't want to get injured. So they get fined, and they get they keep getting fined, and they lose millions and millions of dollars, but they want to make sure that they don't get injured so that if they are leaving that team, then they get the big deal elsewhere. And in fact, somebody who didn't do that and was in contract dispute but then played, a guy called Earl Thomas, then actually broke his leg in a game. And when he was put on the cart to leave the field, he was playing for the Seattle Seahawks, he was on that cart and he just stuck his middle finger up at the coaching bench of his own team as he was driven off because he obviously felt that he'd been forced to play. And he broke in his leg. And um, what what might that what might that do to his career and the possibility of a lucrative contract elsewhere? I wonder. I wonder, Daniel, from a, from FIFA's point of view and a legal point of view, whether it's um, if players decide to leave on the thirtieth of June because their contract's up and that's that. Whether FIFA could more enforce that nobody else is signed until seasons are finished. Well, that's that's the other big question, which is when the transfer window, effectively when the registration period opens again, because there is likely to be a number of players, even at the the, the top end, as Chris mentioned, that might be out of contract 30th of June, don't want to renew. They may try and sign for another big club or otherwise, but they won't be able to play until the next season. So either the club is going to have a big liability on paying them and under an employment contract, but they can't register the player, or the club is just going to hold off signing players, even on free transfers, until they know when the new season is going to start, because they won't be able to register and play that player until that point. So with someone like Hakim Ziyech, then, who's on his way from Ajax to Chelsea and the, the pre-contract agreement is done, how, how would, would, would Chelsea end up having to start paying him from the time his contract is signed to start, even though they might not be able to register him, depending on what FIFA decide. 
Theoretically, yes, but I would have thought that there might well be some conversations going on between Ajax and Chelsea. I'm obviously yeah. not privy to those no. that would effectively be saying, look, there's still some of the season for Ajax to go. Why don't we keep him um, at the club until the end of the season? Uh, we can vary the transfer agreement and the starting date of that. And there will be some type of compensation due for allowing the player to remain at Ajax until the end of the season and then transfer to Chelsea for the coming season, whenever that starts. Well, c- c- Daniel, can I just ask, say ZX stays at Ajax and then, you know, don't wish it up, uh, upon anybody, but then he gets a serious injury. There's been the pre-contract agreed. Would there be any way that Chelsea could wriggle out of that? Well, usually what can happen in certain instances is that there can be um, insurance that could be taken out by the buying club um, to um, escape that eventuality. So, for example, if I remember correctly, when Cater um, signed for Liverpool a year in advance, or rather the deal was done a year in advance, and the transfer agreement would have stipulated particular payments, I would have been surprised if Liverpool hadn't got a pretty watertight um, insurance policy in place should Cater have done a serious injury in that season. He was still at Red Bull. Um, could could different countries have different legal uh, come up with different legal rules to deal with this? And, and there's no way something can be imposed blanket wide across European football. No, exactly. Um, I think it's doubtful um, because you know FIFA are caveating the whole um, guidance, guiding principles on the basis that. Um, employment agreements are governed by national law. So that is the effective principle, which is whatever the employment law is in that particular country governed by those um, rules themselves, they will apply. So it might well be in certain instances that, just like in England um, in the, under English and Wales law, you can't force someone unilaterally to be able to um, to play and be employed. That might be different in another jurisdiction across the world. And that's FIFA's issue. I, I have no problem as a general principle about what FIFA is trying to do, maintain integrity of competition, ensure the playing squads remain relatively consistent and stable. But in practice, it's a pretty difficult um, balancing act. Um, are players' contracts in the main incredibly complicated? Would that be another problem? Or are they quite, or does it depend on what level you're at? Yeah, I mean, in my experience um, on the Premier League and Championship and EFL side, th- there's a relatively straightforward template agreement, which is collective, effectively collectively bargained with the PFA and other stakeholders. What can be complicated is the payments, remuneration, bonuses, release clauses, buyout matters, um, sell-on clauses, etc., which can form part of the addendum to the contract. So um, at the moment, that, that main set of the contract is pretty set in stone. Um, it's not necessarily that that's the issue. It's effectively whether one party is able to um, effectively automatically renew. That can sometimes happen with option agreements um, in contracts, but that doesn't seem to be what is um, occurring at this present time. So, so to, to sum it up, really, I, I mean, each individual case will, will be different, won't it? It will depend on the relationship between the player and his current club, whether the player has another club to move on to, what country they are in, what country a new club might be in. I mean, each each case is going to have to be treated on an individual basis, whatever FIFA might decree from on high. Exactly. And there's one other bit that we haven't really talked about as well, which oh, makes on, a then. potential problem. Sorry to cut him on the pigeons. No, which no, is- no. 
what happens with returning loan players, for example. Now, will those loan deals continue on? Will the clubs agree that those loans can continue on to the end of the season? Might it be that if the loans can't be agreed, that player comes back into the squad but can't play for the rest of the season because he hasn't been registered with his national association in the, in the necessary league, which means they might be sitting on not even on the bench for a matter of months while the rest of the squad participates until the end of the season and does that then inherently weaken the squad that they have effectively come from because the, the, the lone E team or the lone E club was planning on playing those players for the remainder of the season Daniel can wow. I ask I mean it's all it's all very very messy this and this is probably a difficult one to answer but but what do you think is likely to happen then yeah, I think the timing issue is a really important one right now, which is, I read a report this evening that um, Germany looks like it's the Bundesliga is resuming training sooner rather than later with an idea to <clears throat> start possibly playing games towards the middle of or beginning of the summer. That ultimately becomes um, one of the most important issues here because in my mind, um, the players at the moment, if some of them are out of contract, um, they may be more willing to re-sign short-term deals, which will be possible under the FIFA guidelines, because they may know that they don't have another club to go to and no club is going to take that financial burden. And they also might know they might not play for two or three months, again, depending on the timing of the situation. So I think the first thing really is to understand how the footballing landscape is going to piece together by way of competitions and training starting and then when the end point of the season can actually um, be established. And until that time, as much as FIFA is doing a great job to be able to provide these guidelines, each individual football association, club, um, league is going to have to grapple with all of these types of short-term deals to ensure that integrity of competition. The same squads are playing. Generally, the same type of um, uh, strength of squad is maintained. That's some of the critical elements here. Wow. Daniel, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. I'm sure we will talk again. Always appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram at Football Law. Read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website, danielg.com forward slash blogs. Please do subscribe to the Dundeal Football Podcast. Like, share and tag me. If you like the content, if not my voice, you'll probably also like my book, Done Deal, an insider's guide to football contracts, multi-million pound transfers and Premier League big business. A bit of a mouthful. It's available to buy in hard copy, digitally and via Audible. All links are in the podcast show notes. Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13, which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.